Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled it. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Starting pitcher preview part two to send you into your fantasy baseball weekend. Welcome to the show. It's Friday, February 28th. Leap year this year, everybody. Mark it on your calendar. It's, Woo! Well, it's already oh, there's calendar. another day left. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I don't have to pay rent until Monday. That's great. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yes, awesome. So that's Chris. I'm Adam. Hey, Scott. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. What's how many leap? How many February 29th have you enjoyed in your life? Uh, I guess nine. This will be eight or nine. I haven't enjoyed any of them. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You don't like really Leap know. Day, William? Who's that? I, I can't I can't he, remember actually I can't remember a single February 29th in my past like something that happened on that date that actually stuck in my memory. I have Not a quick one. I have a quick February 29th story then we'll get into average draft position for starting pitchers. Uh, Dave Richard, Jamie Eisenberg and I and if any of you remember Lauren Shahadi, she's now on MLB Network. I'm a, yeah, so she's, you know, doing big things. She used to work at CBS Sports with us. We're all still friends. We have an email exchange on the first of every month. Her, It's like a tradition of hers and her family, whatever. It's like a fun little thing. You just say rabbit, rabbit, rabbit on the first of every month. So we have a competition to see who can remember and who can send the email the earliest, the rabbit, rabbit, rabbit email. And I never, ever win. Jamie almost always wins. But one month, I finally got it. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to win this time. So I send the email, rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. And it was four years ago. And it was on February 29th. <laughs> And I lost. <laughs> okay. Garrett Cole's the first pitcher off the board. So we're just going to go through ADP. I feel like I should probably recap yesterday's stuff real quick. I asked the guys who are some starting pitchers in the ace team. Well, first of all, Scott said his strategy is he wants to get four of his top 37. Uh, we had a nice debate about the round three pitchers, which were like Steven Strasburg, Jack Flaherty, Blake Snell, Chris, Chris Snail. Uh, Chris Sale, Mike Clevenger, and there was one other. We had a long debate about them. We didn't necessarily agree there. But four of his top 37, we want to prioritize those guys. Um, we do go fairly starting pitcher heavy in our drafts. Who are you targeting? Chris said Zach Gowan, Frankie Motas, Hyunjin Ryu, and Charlie Morton, a little earlier than those guys. Scott mentioned, he likes those guys too, but he mentioned Patrick Corbin, Shane Bieber, Giolito, and John, and Sonny Gray are players he often drafts. Who are some aces, ace starting pitchers you rarely draft? Scott said Chris Paddock and Clayton Kershaw, and Chris said Steven Strasburg, which I think got us into the round three guys. Um, and then sleepers, breakouts, and busts were kind of at the end of the show, so I will just tell you who they were. For Chris, the sleeper was Josh James. For Scott, 
it was Adrian Hauser, but Scott said if Josh James wins the rotation spot for Houston, he'll rank James ahead of Hauser. For breakouts, uh, Zach Gallen is kind of shared by all, and Scott mentioned Max Fried and a bust, Madison Bumgarner for Scott, and I don't remember Chris's bust. I believe it was Strasburg. Okay, Strasburg. Right, boy, you're just. I hate on him. him. Apparently, so here we go. Garrett Cole sixth overall, Jacob Degrom eighth overall, Justin Verlander twelfth overall, and Max Scherzer fourteenth overall. From six to fourteen, it goes Degrom. It goes Cole, Degrom, Verlander, Scherzer, and the hitters that go off the board before Cole are Acuna, Trout, Yelich, Bellinger, and Betts. Mm-hmm. It should be slightly different, probably in points leagues. I mean, you could, right? Let's just get that out of the way. You can make a case for Bregman. Uh, yeah, you could make a case for Cole. Over, Acuna. I've seen Cole go as high as first in a points league. The highest I would draft him is probably uh, fourth, with Acuna being the one of the big five to go behind him. Well, that would be fifth then. Mm, yes, you're right. Okay. Yeah, fifth. Fifth is the earliest I would draft Cole in a points league. Okay, and you got Cole going sixth in Roto, then Lindor, then DeGrom, then Bregman, Soto, Story, Verlander, uh, Arenado, Turner, Scherzer. Kind of surprising to see Turner going 13th, Scherzer 14th. Yeah, yeah, Turner. Trey Turner was in my underrated, according to ADP column. And we just did a a mock draft, a Roto mock draft, 12-team Roto. With more hitter spots than pitcher spots, and and you took Turner seventh, I think, right or sixth. I think you took. I I took him. uh, I believe it was seventh. Yes, Cole. I what's what's funny is that's that's also where I've chosen to pick in Tout Wars, and I'm thinking I'll just take whichever of Trey Turner and Garrett Cole doesn't go sixth, but they were both there for me at this at seventh in this mock draft. Uh, Who went sixth? Yeah, I knew that. That seemed like the obvious response. Francisco Lindor. Francisco Lindor. I think. It, oh, Lindor. Okay. Yeah. It. I could also see Trevor Story maybe slipping in ahead of Turner and Cole. Right. So my question is, do you guys have a rule after those first five hitters are off the board? Acuna, Trout, Yelich, Bellinger, Betts, in some order. That's what it was in the Roto draft we did on Wednesday. Do you have some rule about when to take Eric Cole, when to take Turner, Story? Like, how do you prioritize all these guys? Well, I I liked the way that turned out. So I'm I went just last night. I moved Trey Turner ahead of Garrett Cole in my roto ranking. So I now have Trey Turner sixth and Garrett Cole seventh. So okay, I guess that's the rule. Then, what? like I said, Garrett Cole fifth for me in a points league. Then, then what? Um, as far as the high end pitchers, no, you, like who your next pitcher is Verlander, right, or is it Degrom? It is Verlander. Who's in between Cole and Verlander? Uh, the other two shortstops, I believe. Okay, should just know, right? Let me pull it up. Uh, to l- be let sure. me let me say this: If you want to get steals and a starting pitcher with your first two picks, and you're picking in the back half of the first round, I think you probably want to take the steals first. I think you have like I think you have a better chance of getting one of those top four starting pitchers in the mm-hmm. second round than you do well, one of those shortstops who have steals unless maybe Tatis falls, but he went thirteenth in this draft. Yeah, well and Jose Ramirez. Jose yeah, Ramirez Jose Ramirez would be the one. Okay. He, he I, I ended went, up I ended up getting both. 
Trey Turner, Trey Turner in round one, Jose Ramirez in round two in that mock draft, which, you know, I, I was thinking at the time, well, shoot, if I knew Jose Ramirez was here, I would have taken Garrett Cole instead, but it's just, you're, it, it's, it's a more difficult, you have to thread the needle a little more for the stolen bases than for the high end starting pitchers. If you're like me and are okay with like a Patrick Corbin is your number one, as opposed to, you know, having to get a Garrett Cole or Dick Jacob deGrom type. Okay, so, yeah, so maybe you have to decide personally how you feel about Jose Ramirez. And, um, I, yeah, I think it's very realistic to come out of the first two rounds with a steel source and a stud starting pitcher. Very realistic. So, yeah, between happen. Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander, it's it's actually three shortstops. Alex Bregman, Francisco Lindor, Trevor Story. That's how my rankings line up. I, I'm I'm higher on Alex Bregman than most because I give him a— I, I think there's a decent chance he ends up being as— Nearly the base dealer that Lindor and Story are, but uh, you know that's that's kind of playing a hunch. And obviously, the bat is there's a difference there. Chris, if you maybe could pull up uh, average draft position on CBS Sports in particular, so we can just look in the first two rounds how many starting pitchers are going in the first two rounds in Roto. It's five to seven. Because Strasburg and Flaherty are 24th, 25th off the board. So they could go either way. And we're talking 12-team leagues here. I want to know, and I don't, I, don't, I don't want to spend that much time on the elite guys today because I think that was yesterday's show. I'm talking more about difference now between Roto versus points leagues. Where, it's only six. Really? Interesting. Yeah. It's um, Cole, Verland- Cole DeGrom, Verlander, Scherzer, Strasburg, Bieber. Ooh. And then there's a little gap, and then Flaherty goes 26, Clevenger 28, Where's Snell Bueller? 31, Corbin 32. Where's Walker Bueller? Uh, did I skip him? Oh, no, okay, it's seven who go in the first. Okay, okay. He goes right, he actually goes ahead of Max Scherzer. Ooh, wow. In points lead, which right. is fascinating. Okay, so. And that, that might be uh, just because there are still a lot of Dynasty Leagues, CBS mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. caters to more Dynasty audience than other formats, so. Damn right. It could be that. Damn right we do. Hey, by the way, sorry, quick detour. Brandon Nimmo has been cleared to resume baseball activities. That was nice. Good news. Griffin Canning, though, has some ACL issues. He has chronic changes to the UCL, UCL, not ACL, to the UCL. He has acute joint irritation, and Griffin Canning is going to have more tests on his elbow. Okay. I don't know what any of that means, but it sounds bad. Sounds bad. But more tests. Ray Butler, who's uh, Prospects 365 on Twitter, According to him, that's basically the same language they used for Andrew Heaney last spring, and then Heaney ended up missing the first two weeks of the season with that injury. So, the, fingers the crossed. The Angels are... I was actually talking about this with someone the other day. Uh, the Angels have been one of the weirdest, maybe the weirdest team in baseball when it comes to how they approach pitcher elbow injuries. I don't know if you guys remember, but yes. they had, like, 2017, it was, like, Heaney, Richards... And someone else all had Tommy John's or all had a torn UCL and they tried to have them pitch through it or they had tried to have them do mm-hmm. PRP injections first. I think they did the same thing with Otani. So, uh, you know, that that's not necessarily the thing that we're dealing with with canning, but it's interesting to note. So let's go back to ADP after Scherzer's 14th, Walker Bueller's 18th, Strasburg 24, Flaherty 24. Bieber 29th, Sale 34th, Snell 36th, Clevenger 38th. That basically took us to the end of round three and into round four. 
And Scott had said if Clevenger were fully healthy, ready to go, he'd be ahead number of five. number five. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So that's so you know if Clevenger only misses a few weeks, could be having some terrific value there if he's like the tenth pitcher off the board. Uh, yeah, all this stuff was discussed yesterday. Round now we didn't get to these guys. I think once we get to round three and four, Patrick. Some of them we did. <laughs> Patrick Corbin, Clayton Kershaw. Luis Castillo. I don't know if we said a word about Luis Castillo yesterday. He's going 47th. And then Aaron Nola is going 48th. So how do we feel about this group of Patrick Corbin, Clayton Kershaw, Luis Castillo, and Aaron Nola? Fine. I almost always get one of them. And it's rarely Kershaw because we just talked yesterday about how he's a pitcher I don't get. So I I almost always get one of Corbin, Castillo, and, and Nola was the third, right? Castillo, Nola, Patrick Corbin, who actually goes first, and Luis Castillo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and like Kershaw. I said yesterday, Corbin going 18 spots later than Strasburg on average makes Corbin a really nice value uh, in my eyes. And, you know, depending on what format you're drafting in, he could go as much as two full rounds after him. And if you look at the last two years, uh, they basically have identical rate stats, K per nine, walks per nine, hits per nine, home runs per nine. Whip, ERA, and Corbin's thrown like 70 more innings. So I actually don't think there's much reason to take Strasburg ahead of him. Oh, all right. Good note there. So Castillo. Unless you want both. True, unless you want both. Luis Castillo. But you don't want Strasburg. Was the number 14 <laughs> starting pitcher in fantasy last year. 340 ERA, 114 whip, fourth best swinging strike rate among qualified starters, second highest ground ball rate among qualified starters. This is Luis Castillo. That's really nice. Those are my two favorite pitcher stats right now, but it is the other leg of the FIP triangle where Castillo doesn't measure up with the walks. And it's worth noting, you know, we'll, we'll do a lot of like, oh, Jack Flaherty's awesome second half. Now we're drafting him as a top six pitcher. And Castillo was pretty bad in the second half last year, right? He's been, he's no, just been he was bad wildly in, inconsistent throughout he, his career. I can agree with that. He was bad his last eight starts. His first 24 starts, he had a 269 ERA. His last eight starts, 555. And I just, look, the control is part of it. I also wonder about the, you know, somewhat limited arsenal. He's mostly fastball changeup. His changeup is ridiculous. I get it. But, uh, you know, you make a mistake and you have limited arsenal. You go out there one day, you don't have one of your pitches. It's tr- it's a struggle. And he had a 5.09 ERA third time through the order. Uh, but he has been streaky. He's kind of like Aaron Nola in that regard. He's been pretty streaky. Can he put it together for a full season? Does, you know, you're looking at these guys. Nola's a really good example. Nola went from being one of the best at first pitch strikes in 2018, second in the majors, first pitch, first pitch strikes behind Miles Michaelis. Uh, to 39th in the majors. He's going to make a concerted effort to get ahead in the count this year. And he was a stud in 2018, and he was number 20 in points, number 25 in Roto in 2019. Nola? Yeah, Nola. Yeah. Uh, one interesting thing well, that I, I wanted, wanted to... He talked- I wanted to ask a question first, then I'll let you get into it. Like, you look at Strasburg, you look at Corbin, Kershaw, Castillo, Nola, these four guys in round four, most upside, who's got it? Most upside, I would say, is Nola, right? I mean, he was 
a top five pitcher two years ago. Yes, he was. I yeah, I mean, most upside is generally a stand-in for who gets the most strikeouts. That's generally how we view it. And I guess it's Castillo in that regard. Okay. What, Castillo like, throws and what's interesting is when Castillo struggled in the second half, his walks actually his walk rate actually got a lot better. Um so I don't I don't know how to reconcile all of that, but yeah, I mean, his worst season one was the one when he had by far his best walk. Yeah. He had a 6.9% walk rate in 2018, which is two po- two points better than 2017 and three full points better than 2019. And he had a terrific walk rate in the minors, especially toward his call-up. So I, I don't think it's beyond him to be a good control pitcher, but it's he hasn't put it all together. And yeah, it seems like when he, he, he ends up trading off something for something else. Uh but maybe in a technical sense, he does have the most upside. What, what's interesting is who's excluded from this group, and that's Lucas Giolito. I actually rank Lucas Giolito ahead of both Castillo and Nola, and um, he tends he goes he, he goes what, later 50, 59th overall. So uh, yeah, that's a more lot than later. a round later mm-hmm. according it's, to ADP. It's a big difference. All right, so let's go to the next round then, because I think actually my favorite guy and I think Chris's favorite guy is in this round, like of all the ones we've talked about. What's up, White? Charlie Morton. He's awesome. I he's old, but he's he's awesome. Um, he is awesome. Yeah. Zach Ranky. He's also awesome. <laughs> he's also old. And then Giolito and Chris Paddock. This is basically round five. Chris Paddock goes into round six, but it's picks fifty, fifty-two to sixty-two. Whatever, I'll use Scott's uh, ADP number. Morton, Granky, Giolito, and Paddock. Scott already said he's avoiding Paddock. I'm nervous about Giolito because well, that's that's not quite right. Okay, Adam. and I'm not avoiding Paddock. I'm not drafting him at his ADP. Okay, so you're I'm, av- I'm kind of with those 37. <laughs> you're avoiding him at his ADP. Yeah, yeah. With those 37 that I keep referring to, I. I don't have really strong preferences. I I kind of just take the ones that I think last longer than they should, which is why I end up with a lot of Corbin and a lot of uh, Giolito. Um, but it's like if Paddock was the one to fall, I'd be perfectly happy to take him. Okay, that's good to know. I definitely have. I, I feel like Chris and I definitely have some preferences. Oh yeah, the stronger ones. I mean, Scott. Scott does too. Yeah, stronger than Scott. And I'm gonna I guess I'm gonna be wrong about Zach Granke every year. But uh <laughs> he his peripheral Granke's peripherals were not he always outperforms his peripherals, but this time they were worse than usual. Three ninety six Sierra, four seventy four XFIP. Um I wonder if that matters to you. So let me give the group again. It's Morton, Granke, Giolito, and Paddock. Chris, what do you think? Um I really like this group. Like Scott, I don't think I've drafted any Chris Paddock, and I probably won't uh, at his price. I just two pitch pitcher concerns about workload, concerns about inj- injury history. It's just a little too rich for my blood. But I also he might be my favorite pitcher in baseball to watch. So, um, but Morton, Giolito, and Granky are three pitchers I've drafted quite a bit. Morton is probably my favorite pitcher in the top in the whole group. I don't know. He, he's just, it seems like, you know, we talked about Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer yesterday and their age and how that could lead to them declining. And 
they're not really being dinged for it in their price. I think Scherzer is a little bit, but he's still a borderline first rounder. So, and that's coming off a, a neck injury. Morton, the argument against him really is that he's 35. It, there are workload concerns to be sure, but he's made, I believe it's 28, 30, and 33 starts if you include the minors uh, in 2017. The Rays did not treat him with the same kid gloves that the Astros did. Right, that's part of it, yeah. And so like, he can go six innings consistently. He's not going to be... A 220 inning guy. He's never going to get to like what Shane Bieber did last year. But I have basically zero concerns about the skill set. He's shown no signs of decline. He was better last year than he'd ever been. Either. Yeah. And that's why I like him compared to at the some point. You're just dinging him for being 35. Six. But <laughs> if we're not doing that for other pitchers, it just kind of seems inconsistent. Like well, it, it is it is 35 in conjunction with him only once only once since his velocity spiked about the time he joined the Astros has he shown he can handle that ace workload where he's going six plus innings and, and that was last year um, and he's yeah, 36 that, for the record which is usually our favorite year to overreact to is last year. That's usually okay. the year when we're like, yeah, that's the only thing that matters. He was the number seven starting pitcher last year, Charlie Morton, and he's being drafted, what is he, like 14th or something? 18th. Eight, no. Is he? 16th. 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 Right in the middle of us. Yeah. Okay. Now, so I'm, Look, I'm, I'm fine with Charlie Morton, too. I was, just, I was just kind of playing devil's advocate there. I moved him down to... Um, <laughs> Once every podcast... Well, you know, he's popular. He's popular. I no, you moved him down. It's, it's always just my wife. It's, you know, you're popular uh, with your club. wife. She never does, doesn't know when I podcast clearly, uh, <laughs> and I don't know when I do either because I never mute my phone. Um, yeah, I I actually reworked my tears last night. They're going to be up for the weekend. Tears 2.0, and I have Charlie Morton now in the same tier as like Walker Bueller and Steven Strasburg. Ooh, I made that tier fun. a very large tier. And I think Charlie Morton is the last name in it for me, or maybe Zach Greinke is, um, you can go to, you go to the website. Let, we'll keep it a mystery. Go to the website and find out. But, but yeah, I, uh, I am clearly happy to have him as a part of my pitching staff. And, uh, I guess according to ADP, I'm going to get him a lot in, in leagues where Chris is, I'm not drafting with Chris. Let's talk about Zach Greinke, because he was the number three starting pitcher in points leagues, number five in Roto. This time last year, Scott kept saying, I'll just take Zach Greinke. I'll just take Zach Greinke. Nobody wants him. It was a great pick. Uh, 293 ERA, .98 whip. Faded a little bit down the stretch. Wasn't great in the postseason, but overall had, a, had such a good year. He's also 36. I mentioned the peripherals. I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm... I'm oh I'm always gonna be wrong about these older pitchers who don't throw hard, so you know until I'm right, but that might take like five years. <laughs> so I don't see myself having much Zach Greinke. Scott, are you once again feeling like you're going to have a lot of Zach Greinke? I rank him lower than I did last year because I feel like guys like Clevenger and Corbin validated themselves, and there were actually quite a few high end breakouts last year. Shane Bieber, Charlie Morton to a degree, Luis Castillo, Lucas Giolito. 
And they all have more strikeout potential than Granky. So just, just in terms of pure statistical output, I feel like Granky has to fall. But in terms of confidence, he's going to be a high-end pitcher. It's still very high for Granky. I mean, so bankable. And like his because he depends so little on velocity, it seems like he's already is and will continue to age well. And he's on the Astros, it's and that's the Astros always now. a good yeah, thing. Yeah, that I, actually gives me more hope. Can I uh, can I go back to Aaron Nola for one second? I did have yes, a note sorry, on, yes. on him. Uh, so two things. He's talked about he got away from uh, his normal pitch mix last year. If you look at it, the the usage wasn't that different, but he threw his changeup in, in the strike zone a lot less. He's working on getting back to that. But one other thing is, the Phillies uh, have a new coaching staff, and one of the things they've talked about is throwing more fastballs low in the zone. And Eno Saris had a note on Twitter yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Fastballs around the letters have a whiff rate of 19%. Fastballs at the knees have a whiff rate of 5%. And even though you give up more extra base hits on fastballs higher in the zone, the, the WOBA allowed on those pitches is actually 22% better than pitches in the low zone. And so, you know, if that's a conscious change that the Phillies are trying to make, it's not necessarily um, not necessarily a move that would make me feel good about their pitching staff. It's not well, it's, a panic it's, thing, but it's something to keep in mind. Different things work better for different individuals, though, too, right? And And... Nola especially, but I, I think also Zach Eflin, Eflin were very critical of what Chris Young was having them do last year. And they both had bad years compared to the year before. So I, I don't know that it's bad for them specifically. I mean, you have to have the right kind of fastball to pitch up in the zone too, right? It has to have mm, right um, a lot of rotation or... Yeah, spin. Yeah. All right, guys. So final thought on this group that doesn't include Nola, but the next group that includes like Giolito. Uh, does Lucas Giolito have like true ace upside? Because he certainly did in his last 24 starts, 312 ERA, 101 whip, 198 Ks in 153 innings. Do you think he has legit superstar upside or star upside at least? Yeah. Well, Nola has very low fastball spin. Uh, I didn't listen to your question because I was looking that up. Sorry, That's okay. were you asking no, about upside? The answer is yes. Chris gave the answer yes uh, about Lucas Giolito. Okay. All right, next group. Yeah. Next group. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, Yu Darvish, Tyler Glass now, Trevor Bauer, Jose Barrios. We got five guys here from picks 70 to 84. Noah Syndergaard, Yu Darvish, Tyler Glass now, Trevor Bauer, Jose Barrios. There was somebody I couldn't think of yesterday. We were talking about pitchers with limited arsenals. Tyler Glass now was the one that I was trying to think of. He's basically a two-pitch pitcher. He is. Uh, he's added a splitter All to right. his well, arsenal. It. It's something that he's worked on a lot in spring training. I don't know how much he's going to use it. It could be kind of a show-me pitch. But, um, you know, I, I think the thing with him, he he's very similar to Lance McCullers in stuff and approach. It's all... High fastballs and low curveballs. Uh, he might be even better than Lance McCullers. But one thing we did see with Lance McCullers uh, throughout his career pre-Tommy John surgery was underperforming his peripherals. And that could be a result of that approach. I'm not 100% sure. But, 
you know, the thing with Glass now is he well, looked control, like the best though. pitcher in baseball. Yeah, yeah, no, control was his peripherals last um, year. Was but different because he improved. Because Glass now improved his control, and then he became amazing. The one thing I will point out is the control. He came back from that forearm strain, didn't throw deep into games, uh, but made like five or six starts, I think. And his walk rate was back up to like 10%. Now it's coming back from an injury. It's late in the season. Who knows what to make of it? But it's worth noting, given that the sample size is already minuscule. I think he threw fewer innings last year than Edwin Diaz. Right. Um, And so it's just really tough. So let's look at this group, Scott, and, and you know how do you rank them? Cindergard, Darvish, Glasnow, Bauer, Barrios. So the way I rank them is Cindergard, Glasnow, Darvish, uh, and then and then there's a little. Oh, I got Chris Paddock in there. Okay, so sorry. Let me do that again. Cindergard, Glasnow, Darvish, Bauer, and then a few spots down is Barrios. Barrios. He's the floor floor play. Yeah, yeah, high floor, but the strikeouts aren't there. It's it's just basically he throws a lot of strikes, and the efficiency you, allows him to pitch deep into games. You know who he kind of is. It's a weird comp, but it kind of works. Is he's very similar to Kyle Hendricks. Goes about it in completely different ways. His stuff is, it looks so much better, but mm. relatively low strikeouts, great control, pitches deep into games. And is an expert at limiting hard contact. That's where he and Kyle Hendricks really shine. Not so much um, with the kind of the sexy things that we look for. The only difference is Kyle Hendricks doesn't get as many strikeouts and also goes yeah, like... Yeah, I mean, Barrios still gets more. Yeah. 100 picks later? Uh, Barrios, 18th right. in points, 25th in Roto last year. Probably better in points because of the innings. He's just been a very similar pitcher, I guess, for several years, but he does have this one thing that draws me to him is great starts. He had nine starts of seven or more innings, two or fewer earned runs. He had 12 of those starts in 2018. Uh, you know, like that's very similar to what Zach Greinke's done in the last two years. In fact, it's one more than Zach Greinke. You know, so he does have this enticing ability, but he also has some bad starts, and it's kind of strange uh, but you figure he probably should win some games going deep into games for the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he is he safe. He's, is, is he's there, the floor. Yeah, he's the so floor like, play. Who's the, like, who's the upside? Who, is there, uh, how about this? Is there a big steal in this range? Cindergard, Darvish, Glasnow, Bauer, Barrios. I can't believe they're there. After pick 70, I have to take them. Well, no, I rank them similarly, so I, I wouldn't say that. I mean, Glasnow, I, I feel like, has top five potential, but he's hasn't. He has to show that he's durable enough to meet it, and uh, th- so that's a big question mark. I, I would I would be very uncomfortable taking Glass now as more than my number three starting pitcher. Um, center guard. I mean, he could have a big he has similar upside. We, yeah. we know he has. Like he's got. There's no reason based on the pitches that he throws that he couldn't be Garrett Cole. You know, we we released the the Aces results, um, the Aces metric that we talked about a lot last year, and he still rates out really, really high. And but, so he could still be that guy. It's an the interesting strikeouts group. were down the past two years. Mm-hmm. Last year, the slider velocity was also down three miles per hour. Average slider velocity. It's usually like 92 ish and it was 89. Really hard slider, right? It's a great pitch for him. 
Um, the whiff rate fell a lot with the on that particular pitch with the velocity. Well, he made his first spring start, I believe it was two days ago, and the slider velocity was back up. It said it was something he was working on this offseason, and it was back up in the low 90s. So if, if he has that pitch, pitch back to, uh, to full form... <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. 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 Yeah, no, look, I this is this is Noah Syndergaard we're talking about. Slider velocity up. That's terrific. Um, this is a really fun group because Trevor Bauer was an ace in two thousand. He's he, got top five potential. Yeah, he yeah. does. I mean he his his sli- he started throwing a slider late two thousand seventeen and then he broke out. Uh he was really bad last year, became more of a fly ball pitcher. I I just wonder if Terry Francona destroyed him a little bit. But um, he also he also led baseball in pitches thrown by 134, more than number two Lance Lynn. But he's that's like one Trevor Bauer start. Yeah, right. You uh, Darvish started throwing a splitter. I mentioned this a little bit yesterday. He started throwing a splitter last year, and it just changed everything for him. He became better against lefties. 2.76 ERA in his last 13 starts with just a ton of strikeouts. So I and I mean this zero is a walk. fun. It was incredible. He had like yeah. six walks in his last 13 starts or something. Crazy. Uh, and that was after seven. walks were a big problem for him early. His season just turned on a dime. It was amazing to see. And Yeah, it, I'm, I'm into it. I, yeah. I, I thought he would go I, higher I, than this, but I, I 73rd overall, 21st pitcher off the board. I feel like it's that to me, you Darvish, I'm going to get a lot of. I, I like this group. I like this group a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. Even when you Darvish was struggling, the stuff you could tell was still there. Like I was yeah, uh, not to pat myself on the back, but he was somebody I was trading for in the weeks leading up to the turnaround. I didn't expect it to be that extreme. So I like that group, and, and honestly, I think it's significantly better a better feeling on draft day than the next group of pitchers, which is Brandon Woodruff, Mike Soroka, Corey Kluber, Sonny Gray. And now we're into like round nine. Uh, so it's after Barrios is off the board at 84. We go to 90. Brandon Woodruff, Mike Soroka, Corey Kluber, Sonny Gray. Maybe. I like the last two guys a lot more than the first two. Kluber and Gray? Yeah. Nervous about Kluber in a different ballpark. He'd been a lot better at home in his career. Sure, and we don't know how that park's going to play. It's a dome or a retractable roof, but the power alleys are really close. Cleveland wasn't a great place to pitch. Um, you know, it's it's a hitter's park. So I, I don't know. My thing is, I just, it's a lot of panic for a guy who got hit by a line drive and then had an oblique injury while rehabbing from that injury. Now he, he is old. Oh, no, it's not just that. He was and terrible, well, he, but he was terrible. He had a bad month. This. Yeah. He also struggled. Kluber struggled a little bit at the end of 2018. If I recall, I will look it up. But, he, but he's my, starting to deal with injuries, I think, and that's a sh- the concern. Right, but my my point would be that he was bad for six starts, I believe, yet last year. I think he made six starts before going on the DL IL in 2017. Had very similar results. The walks were up. Uh, he had an ERA around five, if not over five, just like last year. And then he went on the IL. The the, the difference is he came back from that and was the best pitcher in baseball by a decent margin for the rest of the season and won his second Cy Young. We didn't get to see what he would have looked like. 
coming back well, from the injury last year. Kluber's last 19 games of 2018, he had a 367 ERA, 113 whip. Wasn't bad. But he's old. He's 34 and just kind of felt like he was fading a little bit to right. me. So I get the discount. But do you, Scott, do you think that this is good value? And how do you look at this group of Woodruff, Soroka, Kluber, and Gray? Uh, I actually tiered them with the previous group. I mean, you could we could talk about how risky they are relatively, but there are risks for all of them, and I think the upside is at least at least comparable. Uh, but for Kluber specifically, uh, like the April thing, like I, I do think you have to throw out last year's stats. It was April. It was it was small sample size, and it was April specifically. A lot of these high end pitchers struggled last April in particular, because they were adjusting to a ball with lower seams and their grip wasn't the same and they had to figure out how to cope with that. Um, Noah Syndergaard spoke to this a lot. So that's that's the good news for Kluber. The bad news for Kluber is he is old, mid-30s, mm-hmm. and it's basically been two years since we've seen him pitch good. He, he It's been <sighs> two years since we've seen him pitch at a, at a point in his life where the aging can happen rapidly. So we I just don't know what really the, don't know who this guy is who's going to show up this year. What do you mean it's been two years since we've seen him pitch? He, he had a 289 ERA, but he had a 289 ERA and led the league in innings in 2018. But it's, a year, but and, a year ha- and a half since we last saw him Half pitch. of that was not so great, as I was illustrating. Okay, so right. so he, Scott, he, all, all I'm saying is your he favorite pitch last year. How, how do you rank Woodruff, Soroka, Kluber, Gray? Gray, uh, Kluber, Woodruff, Soroka. Yeah, I have Woodruff ahead of Gray, but I think I need to change that. I'm I'm more comfortable with Sonny Gray than Woodruff. I like Brandon. What's not to like about Brandon Woodruff? He's he's good. He it's, just he doesn't have a good secondary pitch right now. He's basically all fastball. And his fastballs are awesome. Very good. Yeah, it's, it's a good fastball. It's a little reminiscent of Matt Harvey. In fact, Bryce Harper compared Woodruff to Matt Harvey, and, and so that's kind of where the starting point of that comparison for me. But you look at the breakdown of the pitches, and it's reminiscent. And when Harvey lost some of that elite velocity, there was just nothing left for him. And so... Now, there's no reason to think Woodruff will. He's only 27, although he's probably older than I think most people would think. Right. Okay. We just have, like, when your velocity is that high end, it gives you a a lower margin for error in terms of sustaining it. And if he loses some of it, I just, I, I don't know that he's going to age particularly well. And he's not young. So he's not old, but he's not young either. And we just, I don't know. It's it, it. He just seems pretty volatile because of that. Cool. That's Brandon Woodruff. We talked about Soroka yesterday. I uh, just you know low K rate ground ball pitcher. Scott still thinks there's potential for Soroka to raise that K rate. I talked about how it's very difficult for a pitcher with less than eight strikeouts per nine to repeat as a top thirty ERA guy. It hasn't happened much in the last couple of years. But I don't want to just sit here and trash Soroka. I just just bringing that up. Um, all right, the next group. A lot of pitchers coming off the board, like back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back, basically, within five picks. Carlos Carrasco, Zach Wheeler, Madison Bumgarner, Hyunjin Ryu, and Shohei Otani, who is not going to be pitching until it seems mid-May. 
Carrasco, Wheeler, Bumgarner, Ryu, Otani. Is that six pitchers? Wow. So it's back to back to back to back to back to back. Woo, Scott, what do you think about this group here into round 10? Carrasco, Wheeler, Bumgarner, Ryu, Otani. It's five pitchers. I'm an idiot. Sorry, five pitchers. Go ahead. So this is the start of a lower tier for me. Uh, I kind of think of them as the fallback options if you want a high-end starting pitcher. They're still in that group of 37. But with the exception of Carrasco, I don't feel like the upside is the same for them. I, I, you're definitely settling for less production. I include Carrasco with them just because I think coming off leukemia, like it's it's I have no idea what to expect. So it seems like a major risk for him. Um, but it could be great and it could be a value here. But the others, Wheeler, Bumgarner, Ryu, particularly because I think the Blue Jays have already said they're not going to count on Ryu. Like they don't have him scheduled for like an ace workload they they, Mm -hmm. they're already building in that he's only like 150 inning pitcher and then he's not going to be competitive on strike with strikeouts on top of that and he's not going to have as much win potential as he did with the dodgers you're telling me hyunjin ryu is going to pitch 150 innings he should be way lower than this i mean well how many did he have last year he had more than that last year but he's not gonna but he had a ridiculously good year last year i just don't i mean that's terrifying to me he kind of has a ridiculously good years every year, though. Not well, this good. Two, anyway. He yeah. threw 182 innings last year, 182 and two-thirds. Right. So that, I mean, that was not a career high, but it was the most since his rookie season. Yeah, but I, my, my point was just I don't even think the Blue Jays are going to let him do that. Yeah, no, I'm saying I, you're scaring me right now. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know this. So it, it's, do, you, what, do you think he'll throw 150 innings, basically, or, or more? Well, I can't. I, I I can't predict the health. Obviously, if he stays healthy, I think 180 is the absolute maximum possible, and I would take the I would take the under, obviously, because I'm not going to bet on the maximum possible. In fairness, Shohei Otani's going two picks later on average, and his absolute maximum might be like 130. Yeah, but he can hit too. So right. that's so he's still usable while he's recovering from. Yeah, I think he's being way overdrafted right now. At 119. Yeah, I even in a daily league. No. Uh, where he because he's going to be rehabbing for the first month and a half of the season, so he's not going to hit every day. So you're not going to have you're going to have him maybe four days a week because he's going to have to go literally travel to the minors to make rehab starts. Then once he's ready, he's not going to be useful as a starting pitcher for probably the first month that he's available because they're probably going to limit his innings. They're going to go with a six-man rotation. So you're looking at him still for the first two months of the season as basically just a hitter probably. We'll see about the six-man rotation. They're already down Griffin Canning potentially. But they do have – they've got like seven or eight like possible rotation options. I actually forgot – they have Luis Gohara, who was is still only twenty three and is I, I will never give up on him. Okay. So Otani, by the just in case you forgot, two thousand eighteen he had a three thirty one ERA, he had sixty three strikeouts and fifty one and two thirds, he had a one sixteen whip, and I do recall him pitching hurt through a couple of games that made yes. his ERA even worse. So he was terrific. He had a fifteen point two percent swinging strike rate, was a stud. The one th- and, he, and his hitting is, is obviously awesome, too. The one thing, though, that you should know with Otani, 
not, not saying this is going to happen, but so far he has not been a base stealer when he has been a pitcher. And I'm not saying on the days he's pitching. I mean, while he was still a starting pitcher, he had one steal and then he stole nine after they, after in 2018, they said, you're not pitching anymore. He stole nine. He stole 12 in 2019. So if you're picking him thinking, well, I'm going to get 10 to 12 steals. I don't know if that's true. Cause I don't, I, he might not run if he's being used as a pitcher in any capacity. Uh, Zach Wheeler ended 2018. He had one of those last 15 starts, whatever stretches that was freaking awesome. He did not back it up in 2019. Uh, <laughs> Scott, what do you think about Zach Wheeler? And then we'll move on to the next group. I think Zach Wheeler uh, is is just kind of comfortably in the middle. I, I don't I don't see the floor as being especially low anymore. I don't think the ceiling is especially high. He's probably going to deliver you a high threes ERA with close to two hundred innings and two hundred strikeouts. And uh, that's obviously a difference maker in today's environment, but it's it's also not somebody you should be reaching for. He should be so much better than he is. Like just on pure stuff, like stop throwing sixty percent fastballs. Use your really good breaking pitches more. Get more. Like how is Zach Wheeler a sub strikeout per inning guy two years in a row? He's how right at he's a, he's a strikeout per inning. He's been below two years in a row. No, I think right? he was. I think he was exactly a strikeout printing this year, right? This last year. Well, I, to Chris's point, though, it's not. It's not an above-average strikeout rate in tw- by twenty twenty standards. No, but he goes deep into games. He had uh, fifteen starts of seven or more innings. That's outrageously good mm-hmm. for Zach Wheeler. Yeah. You know, this is a good podcast so far. I, I, we might not get to as many players as I wanted, and we'll finish up on Monday if we have to, but. I'm starting to form opinions on players based on the information you guys are giving me. Yeah, and, and you get to bleep me out. So that's... no way am I bleeping that oh. out. So you didn't say anything bad. Oh, it was an accident. It? No, it's, it sounded bad. I, it was awesome coming off the lips. And uh, <laughs> like, I'm excited about Noah Syndergaard with with the slider stat you gave. I'm, I'm just I'm he's, getting some he's clarity. He's going to be one of my most drafted pitchers this year. Getting some clarity. I'm not. I don't think I'm getting Ryu. Chris just made a very good point about Otani. Yesterday, Scott said Madison Bumgarner would be was his bus candidate, could completely fall off. So we are almost at the end of the top 37 where we want four. And Scott's top 37 is going to be different than the rankings. Like Zach Gowan is going to be in there. Uh, yeah. Don't think Max Eduardo Freed Rodriguez is. is not going to be in there. No, but he's changed his arsenal, started throwing, I think, a sinker, started getting more ground balls finally, and was better. And started pitching deeper into games. Will yeah, the whip still was bad. Kill your whip. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right, next group, we're into round 11. Eduardo Rodriguez, Frankie Montas. I know Chris is going to like Montas a lot there. Montas is in the 37. Lance Lynn. Scott's going to love him there. Um, Max Freed. Not in the 37. All right, Rodriguez, Montas, Lynn, and Freed. So, Montas and Lynn are ahead of Rodriguez and Freed, right? Yes. For me, yes. Any big takes like, oh, I love this guy, or I hate this guy? I love Montas. Love, love, love Frankie Montas. He's he's being downgraded because he hasn't shown the ability to throw uh, a full-time workload, and I think that's reasonable. Um, but like, I'm not dinging him at all for the PED suspension. If anything, you know, like we've talked about, it might make me like him a little bit more. 
because hopefully he'll sustain whatever gains he had from using PEDs. But the biggest thing is he was so much better last year because he added a splitter. It was uh, immediately just an absolute wipeout pitch, 40% whiff rate, 197x Woba allowed, 209 Woba allowed. Um, It basically totally transformed him, gave him you know, that reliable off-speed pitch that he didn't have before. You know, he'd really just been a fastball slider guy before, and both of them are pretty good pitches. It's not but a breakout rate went up, ground ball rate went risk. up. It's not the even a risk. It's such good value. And I should add, start for start, he was on a pace to have that big workload because, I mean, the, the fuller arsenal, the better success, it was allowing him to, to take that third turn through a lineup. And, and obviously, we, we didn't get a chance to see if he could have sustained it. Yeah, for a yeah. full season, but start for start matters even more to me than than uh, the full season in terms of of how the workload works for well, a pitcher. Because he going only, deep into games gives you a better chance of winning. But he didn't go deep into games, at least from what I saw. Frankie Montas he, only had three starts of more than six innings. Only two got, starts of he more went than six innings a lot, didn't he? Okay, I if that's think the he standard, got to fine. the third time in the order in every single one of his starts and. More often than uh, pretty re- regularly, he faced most of the third or third time through the or. Okay. Yeah, only three of his sixteen starts were less than six innings. That's that's good. That is, good. and he was good the third time through the or. So he was basically about six innings every time out. Uh, and also, if you're into small sample sizes, after he came back from the drug suspension, six innings, one run, six strikeouts at the Angels. So proof. Mm-hmm. Okay, we like Lynn and we like Montas there. Do we? I Scott said Max Fried is a breakout. Thirty seventh pitcher off the board is a little, a little pricey. I think there are probably some guys going behind. Yeah, him. I'm not actually ending up with them a lot, to be honest. Usually because I already have four starting pitchers by this point, at least. But right. But yeah, it's I I, I agree. I wish he was going a little later. Okay, let's talk about the next group then into round twelve. Denelson Lamette, Zach Gallen. That's a guy that we think is tremendously undervalued. Jesus Lazardo. We didn't talk about him yesterday, but Lazardo is pretty good. I know Heath, in his one appearance this year, said Lazardo was one of his favorite players. So, Denelson Lamette, Zach Gallen, Lazardo. That's pretty much the end of that tier. Um, I, but if you, if you group him with Max Freed, then you've got these four young guys Freed, Lamette, Gallen, and Lazardo. Chris, how would you rank them? Gallen, Lazardo, Freed, Lamette. I. I think it's like unconscionable to rank Denelson Lamette ahead of Zach Gallen. And like it's only two spots in the overall ADP, so it's you know, a basically non existent. They're they're basically being drafted in the same range, but I, I just I can't see it. Lamette, I like him. He's got great pitch, maybe <laughs> two great pitches, but yeah. Like I just I don't see the full season upside for a guy who is a fastball. He's listed as sl- slider curve, but it's one pitch. Uh, he, baseball savant has two, but they're the same exact pitch. He's a fastball breaking ball guy with basically no secondary or, or third option. And I just, Last I can't guess, see it. The fastball's gotten hit pretty hard in his career too. So it's, He's like a one-pitch pitcher. Yeah, um, high-ish ERA, but 
but um, great strikeout. Maybe there's a strategy with Denelson Lamette where you have low, like, you need strikeouts and you feel good in your other categories and then you take him, but I'm not saying to take him over Zach Gowan. Does, since you guys like Gowan so much, does it bother you that he only made five quality starts in 15 starts? No. He was a rookie. Okay. I, I think Scott froze. No, he no didn't. I'm here. Do you, want to, <laughs> do you want to hear a weird Zach Gowan stat? Sorry, I'm, I'm looking up. I'm looking at Scott on the Skype, I, and he just didn't move. Was, and he had his eyes like half closed. I was for like very five still. <laughs> uh, let me give a weird Zach Allen stat. Third, okay. Third time through the order. Opponents hit 270 against him. That's pretty high. But they had only three extra base hits in 73 plate appearances. Yeah. It's weird. I, he's the kind of pitcher who you would expect to do well the third time through the order because he does have. So many good pitches. He rates out in the 88th percentile by that ACES stat. And, um, you know, his fastball, his cutter, and his curveball all rated out really, really well. And and for a young pitcher, he already seems prepared to take on a big workload. It's Stop. not like Luzardo, yeah. where you know they're going to be careful with or Lamette, too. Yeah, well, yeah, coming off second. First full year back from Tommy John surgery, sure. Scott, how excited um, are you or eager are you to have Jesus Lazardo on your team? Um, uh, you know, it's it's not going to make or break my draft, but particularly if I'm not totally comfortable with my pitching staff, uh, with the ERA and WHIP it's going to put up, since obviously you can't count on a huge strikeout total from him. I, I like to take him here, sure, as my fifth starting pitcher. Uh, yeah, that's that's something I find myself doing pretty often. There are a few pitchers that are further down in ADP here that I put in the same tier with guys like Luzardo and Max Fried and Eduardo Rodriguez, and they include Julio Rios, who I think is, in, in terms of how much he's going to give you and how good he's going to be, in those innings, I think Arias is very comparable to Luzardo. Mm-hmm. And then I also put Matthew Boyd just for the pure strikeout upside and James Paxton, who I think is maybe getting dinged a little too much yeah. for his injury. I also put them in that tier. Okay, that's good. That's good to know. Arias, Matt Boyd. <laughs> I don't know about Matt Boyd, man. A lot of home runs. You got to admit, there's potential. There, there's a lot of downside, but there's a lot of upside player. too. Arias it's, has made five starts in his career of six innings. So he, in his career, you just look at his career numbers. He's thrown 184 innings. He has a 318 ERA, a 128 whip. You ha- you hope the walks come down for Arias. I don't know if Jesus really Lazardo has ever made a start of six innings in his career. I, I'm going to check that. In his minor league career, I, you mean? I Yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah, you never know how it's gonna how these guys are gonna do until they actually go out and do it. But there's these are really talented pitchers with an enticing upside, and and they're mixed in with some older guys. Uh, Robbie Ray, by the way. So we look at our next group here. We're in the one forties. Robbie Lizardo Ray has made one start of six innings. He's never gone more than six innings. He's made one start with six innings. Ten yeah. strikeouts in it. <laughs> it's a great start. Robbie Ray is trying to make an adjustment 
to throw more strikes. He's trying to fall off the mound a little bit more toward home plate instead of toward third base to stay in the zone a little bit longer. And that could be a nice little game changer for him. But he is in three of the last four seasons, he's pitched a pretty much, you know, full-ish season. And he's been 12th, 9th, and 9th in strikeouts, total strikeouts. So you know what you're getting with Bobby Ray. Um, Scott, you mentioned uh, Bumgarner as the guy who could be like a total bust. For me, like Kyle Hendricks is going to be my answer every year. But this is the year he's going to be awful. And he's only like 30 or 31. I think he's like younger than DeGrom. But he throws 87 miles per hour. Adam. I want nothing to do with Kyle Hendricks. He's not. He's just going to keep being a a value. He's going (laughs) to keep being better than like we we have to understand that as good as we are and as good as these these advanced metrics are and, and as much value as we place on them, they're not perfect. I don't and care about that. Thing, like I don't care about BIP the and X, BIP and XFIP and Sierra, they all make certain assumptions about, uh, you know, kind of relatively small differences in the quality of contact that hitters allow or pitchers allow. And that's usually the case. Most pitchers don't have that much control over the quality of contact that they give up. Kyle Hendricks has been in the top 10 percentile in the, majors in exit velocity allowed four straight years okay never gives up hard contact he He never gives up barrels he's just you can't you can't judge him the way we judge other i don't because i never i could care less about xfip sierra with kyle hendricks you know me he had an increased hard contact rate he had a decreased fly ball rate he was terrible the third time through the order he complained of fatigue late in 2019 so I, this yeah, he's is, less he's less the innings eater than you'd think, given his and his strikeout yeah, rate's horrible. Issues. His strikeout rate is, um, is is bad, straight up bad. And, and let me let me tell you that like he's probably going to have a good ERA and WHIP. I think he's a good pitcher. But if you are, man, I almost did it again. If you are, um, <laughs> <laughs> if you are counting, if if you're drafting him as more than like your sixth starting pitcher in a twelve team league, like you're like okay, I'm gonna go the I'm gonna go the bargain round and grab Kyle Hendricks here. Um, talking specifically for a roto league, not a points league. You could probably get away with that in a points league, but in a roto league, if you do that, you're going to have strikeout issues because the gap between somebody like him and and the high end pitchers that other teams, some of them are going to have four of, is so big that you have to do something drastic to make up the ground you've lost by taking Hendricks for such a high pitcher slot. I think just draft him and Josh Hader. I think we should just do a a longer podcast today. We'll do like an hour and 10 minutes so we can knock out Uh, everything else. But actually, like I said that kind of flippantly, but like you probably would expect 290 strikeouts between Kyle Hendricks and Josh Hader. That's not that different than what you would expect from Zach Wheeler and basically every other high-end closer. I mean, it is a way to combat it, but then it means investing the early pick in Hader. But and people it love means doing that. Making Everyone sure nobody that. else jumps in and does that ahead of you. Which you, you, it's really hard to plan out a draft strategy that that hinges on one specific player. There's, yeah, I've decided against what I just suggested, by the way, because then we're going to shortchange the back end of the starting pitcher draft. So let's finish with this. We're going to get through 50 pitchers today. The last seven or eight pitchers after Kyle Hendricks. Let's talk about Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray, Paxton, Price, Mike Miner. Matthew Boyd, Sean Manaya. I have a great Sean Manaya stat, my favorite stat of the day. Julio Arias, Herman Marquez, and Carlos Martinez. So we got a lot of guys. We got Ray, Paxton, Price, Miner, 
Boyd, Manaya, Arias, Marquez, Carlos Martinez. I think that's nine pitchers there. Scott, when you look at that big group, who are the ones that really stand out? Well, I mentioned some of them I tier higher, like like Arias. And Pax. Um, yeah, and Boyd. And Pax. Uh, Boyd, right? man, Boyd, I'm totally I, I really am on the fence about Boyd. I actually have him in my bust column just because things could go so colossally wrong. And yet if I am in a situation where I didn't feel like I got enough high end arms that are capable of delivering big strikeout totals. Uh, he suddenly becomes a very high priority for me because he had like 240 strikeouts last year. I mean, he was he was phenomenal at missing bats with that slider. Uh, so he's he's interesting. Uh, Manaya is is interesting just because it's it's so weird how effective he was coming off an injury that usually costs pitchers effectiveness. And I don't think he was throwing as hard either. But it wasn't stat? it wasn't just that small samples of of starts at the end of the year. You look at what he was doing on his minor league rehab assignment too. It was it was amazing. How... He did like change his I have to find it. He changed his approach and was throwing more sliders out of the zone. Um I the, you, the one thing I have the stat on Shamanaya. Okay. So Shamanaya made uh five starts he struck out 30 in 29 and two-thirds. He had a 121 ERA. And K-rate's always been an issue for him. 7.7, 7.9, 6.0, 9.1. He made five starts. Four of them were against teams that were among the four, the top four in strikeouts. As in, like, they struck out the most. Um, in fact, his one start against the Detroit Tigers, who had the most strikeouts in baseball last year, uh, you took that start out, and he had 20 strikeouts in 22 and two-thirds. But he just basically was facing these high strikeout teams in four out of his five starts. That's why I'm not buying the increased K rate. He, Still at a 121 my, ERA, though. Here's my Shamanaya stat. All right. He got lit up in his first spring training start. and You say, well, it's one spring training start. He faced 11 batters, which was uh, 10% of his total batters faced in 2019. And that's basically like we're basically drafting him this high based on his amazing what six starts was it five starts um, well this isn't that high first of all it is for shaman and, and it's it's kind of because and we're, we're kind of forced to draft him as high this high because things are about to get really bad I don't agree with that by the way I still think I really like There's Luke still guys Weaver, I like, yeah McCullers I think Kent Maeda there are a couple of guys that you could still like, but there's like ten en- enough that you can count on getting even two of them in your draft. It's true, yes. maybe two. Oh no, there, there's uh, there's a lot of guys I like after this. Okay. They're they're really risky, but there's a lot of late yeah. round sleepers. There's, with sure, the there are some there are some low percentage flyers you could throw. Right, out. but Sean Manai is a low percentage flyer. Oh, I, I, I well, give Scott, him at least a fifty fifty shot of being good. Uh, well, would you take any of these guys over Sean Manai? Ready? Yes or no? David Price. Yes. Chris, yeah. you, you can as well. Uh, Mike Miner. Yes. Yeah. Matt Boyd. Yes. Yep. Julio Arias. Yes. Yep. Erman Marquez. Boyd and Arias, I tier higher. Yes. Who, I would take Marquez that? over him. Erman Marquez. Marquez? Uh, yes, I, I have Marquez over him too. Carlos Martinez. Yeah. Depends what time of the spring training I am drafting because he's currently dealing with something, yeah. right? I don't know. Is a headache? Uh, 
I don't think he is. No, okay. no, I don't think he's dealing with. So he hasn't won the starting rotation spot back yet. I, I actually do have Martinez lower in Roto, but obviously the relief pitcher eligibility, the chance of getting a spar if I rank him higher in points than Manaya. Kenta Maeda or Manaya? Maeda. Uh, it's a points versus Roto thing for me again. Jake Odorizzi or Manaya? Probably Manaya. Yeah, Manaya. Increased velocity for Odorizzi was interesting. Lance McCullers or Manaya? Like, how do you not go Manaya. McCullers? How do you not go McCullers? Coming up, Tommy John's. Yeah, I think I'd go McCullers. Yeah, it could be Tommy John. Big deal. Everybody is. And, Tommy and it's John. not like he was some totally bankable pitcher before Tommy John. He was really interesting. He was but... must start. And it was pretty close. Yeah. He was frustrating, but exciting. Um, and then finally, no-brainer to me, Luke Weaver. Yeah, Major discount. Weaver. Love Luke Weaver. Yeah, although his his first spring training start was pretty awful, too. But I agree. I have Weaver over Mania. Oh, We're going to be singing it a lot this year. Luke Weaver, sleeper. For reals. All right, more starting pitchers on Monday. Man, we still got, like, Tanaka, Keuchel. Michaelis, Dustin May, injured, I believe, right now. A.J. Puck, John Gray, Jose Urquidy, Ryan Yarbrough, Cole Hamels, Michael Kopech. Michael Kopech. Dylan uh, Cease. Dylan Cease. A lot of prospects are just were prospects, but slightly expired like Dylan Cease. Nathan Avaldi. Did you know that Masahiro Tanaka had a 3.52 ERA if you took away his Red Sox starts? Did you know that? Oh, okay. You, hey, I gave the same. Red Sox are still on the schedule. So Alex don't start Wood. him against the Red Sox. That's all. Mitch Keller. We got guys. We got guys. Julio Tehran. Have a oh, great gosh. weekend. All right. I think we ran out. <laughs> That's it. We've covered the whole pitcher, starting pitcher position now. No need for an Brandon extra McKay. Brandon McKay. We've got guys. Domingo Ramon. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Um, we'll finish up starting pitchers on Monday, and I think we'll probably recap the position previews themselves. Uh, I also want to do a live mock draft at some point next week, so be ready for that. For Scott, for Chris, I'm Adam. Bye. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.